It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent March 13th, Friday the 13th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Rubber chicken blowjob. <laughs> Little too early in the morning for that, perhaps. Up at the crack of dawn. Four thirty-three in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time, March thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth, twenty twenty. Let's go, going up. So. If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcher on the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 19 years of service, diploma in theater arts. That's one of the things that we studied in um, theater arts, rubber chicken gags. You know, rubber chicken is quite a uh, handy device in the world of performing arts. As an actor extraordinaire, I always keep one in my briefcase. You know, if I had a briefcase as an actor, you know, I'd keep like a rubber chicken, you know, one of those like seltzer spritzer bottles, you know, to splash somebody in the face with some spritzer water, a rubber chicken. Um, I don't know. One of those like little buzzer things that you put on your hand so you can shake somebody's hand. <laughs> you know, gags. These are all known as gags. Whoopee cushion. I have to get one of those. I haven't had a whoopee cushion in a while. I usually just do it manually, right? That was kind of like a squeaky one. Let's see if we can get a nice round bottomed one. A little rusty. So, you know. Whoopee cushions, rubber chickens, spritzer seltzer water bottles, you know, clown towel, you know, hand buzzers. These are things that I would keep in a briefcase as an actor extraordinaire to peddle my um, craft from whatever little shanty town I fucking bumble from to and fro. Shh. Slapping my fucking hack act around the country. I need to get on the road, you know. I'm itching for more um, stage time. But we are on the morning, the precipice of a very interesting um, opportunity in my career as an actor, filmmaker extraordinaire, podcaster, vodcaster. I have a very fetching Um, opportunity lined up, which I interview for this um, afternoon, coincidentally. So I am very excited, enthusiastic, hopeful, and grateful for the opportunity. And um, like any, like, that's all folks, like any industry, there are ups and downs, smiles and frowns, 
and um, the true um, the true distinction of um, someone who's got it and somebody that don't is generally being able to weather the test of time. And that's what I've been banging out, doing all these lonesome years as an actor. And I'm very grateful for it. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. And I don't know what the fuck I was mumbling and bumbling about there, um, the test of time and what the distinction is. Nothing means anything, all right? Get the dick out of your mouth. Clean those fucking eardrums out and listen to me. All right. I am also an alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah. I'm talking three plus years of consecutive, consistent sobriety. Now, when you first get sober, it's a matter of life or death. There's, well, (laughs) that's a little strong. But for some people, that's the reality. You know, people can die from withdrawals if they are chronic drinkers. People's lives are very much in turmoil. I know mine was pretty dire towards the end of my drinking. So yeah, it is a serious, it is a serious situation. So yes, it can be very serious, make it or break it, life or death when you first come into recovery. But there's also a lot of hope and a lot of gratitude. And eventually, you can even get to a place where you're bored to death. I am bored to tears um, on the issue of sobriety. I've been living it for uh, three plus years, very grateful for all the blessings. Kind of bored, kind of bored with the whole experience, not wanting to go back, mind you. I'm not saying like I want to go back to drinking. I'm just kind of bored with the whole rigmarole, the literature, the discussion, the this, the that. I've been relieved of the mental obsession that comes with alcoholism. There was a point in my life where um, if I were to take a drink of alcohol, my body would break out into a craving and I couldn't safely say when I would stop. And once I was in that mode, um, the mental obsession would take over. The mental obsession of alcoholism. It's like all-consuming. I need a drink. Can I drink? Do I have enough money to drink? Should I drink? Could I drink? Would I drink? It's just like all-encompassing, the mental obsession. So I'm free of that today. And that's what I mean by I'm bored to tears with it. Like, you know, I'm very aware that it is a very, it's like a benchmark in my life. You know, it's like a, like I I drank for 16 years. Like I'm an alcoholic. I was drunk every day for the last five years of my drinking. Imagine waking up. Imagine if you wake up on the morning of this, whenever you're watching this. Imagine if you were to wake up today and be like, you know what? For the next five years, I'm going to be drunk every single day. 
That's what the last five years of my drinking looked like. I was drunk every single day. And if I wasn't, it's only because I was so bedridden and incapacitated in a fucking blackout, you know, like that would that would be the only thing that would deter me from drinking. I was a slave to my condition, you know? And through the blessing of recovery, I joined a 12-step program. That's nothing official, no dues, no fees, no um, emphasis on God, religion. These are meetings that you can attend in pretty much any city all over the world. It's like group therapy. You attend these meetings and then you come out of your isolation because alcoholism is very isolating, antisocial, self-absorbed behavior. You come out of your isolation. Day by day, your days add up. Then one day, you find yourself in a new life, you know? And it's like where alcohol used to be all-encompassing, all-engrossing, the forefront, the alpha and the omega of your pitiful life, it is now just like this back burner, boring, kind of like, I don't know what you'd call it. It's like a high school yearbook. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that stupid thing. Fuck off. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's how I look at it today and I'm very grateful for it. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, alcoholic. I am also a janitor. Yes. I'm talking mop buckets, slop buckets, toilets, tampons, urinals, urinal cakes, parking lots, garbage bins, recycle bins, organic waste bins, the whole kit and caboodle, ladies and gentlemen. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. I'm a motherfucking janitor. God made dirt and dirt bust your ass. Stop annoying me. Yeah. Play my music loud to get old dirty to move the crowd. He said he had his dick in his belt. Daddy Murphy taught me that back at the house. Don't give me my money. Dirty. Sing it. Baby, I got your money. Sing it, girl. Say, hey, if Dirty won his money, I think y'all should give him his money. That's how I like it, girl. Sexy, sexy, sexy. God made dirt and dirt bust your ass. I'm a motherfucking janitor. I push a little mop bucket. I dip the mop in the mop water. Then I mop the floor. You know? Um, washing windows like an asshole. I push a garbage trolley. Uh, I vacuum. And if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. As I mentioned, recovering alcoholic. Having a nine to five keeps me focused on focal point, earning an honest income. And number two, as a performer, actor extraordinaire, um, there are um, expenses. Got to pay to play. Takes money to make money. So, um, you know, very grateful for that. <laughs> Face first in a toilet. Grateful for that. And, uh, you know, keeps me in my performing lane. Keeps me, uh, you know, healthy in the struggle. And much like my alcoholism, um, suffice to say, kind of over it with this whole janitorial thing. Um, I could talk at length 
I could talk to nauseam about nauseam. Vomit. Yeah, I've scooped up, swept up vomit, you know, on my hands and knees, scrubbing a fucking vomit pile, you know, rolling up the old sleeves, plunging a urinal, you know, shit stains, piss stains, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. And um, I've seen fire, I've seen rain. And I could talk to nauseam about nauseam. I could talk about anything and everything in the whole janitorial racket. Suffice to say, today, kind of over it. And it's not the job, mind you. Um, I am a man. And that is one of the very many blessings that my alcoholism has taught me, that my perseverance in the performing industry has taught me. Today I'm a man, and I do work as a man. So, rolling up my sleeves, getting dirty, doing a little bit of work, ain't nothing to it. All in a day's work. It's called earning an income. So it's not the work that bothers me. It's the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. I work in a building where there's a hierarchy. Now, granted, I don't pay any attention to it. I have my goals. But as of late, I've met some of my goals. I've paid off a student loan. I've saved up money that I'd like to invest in my performing career. So I was blind to this hierarchy because it didn't mean a goddamn thing to me. Sorry, God. It didn't mean a fucking thing to me. So I was blind to it. Tunnel vision. Well, now it's as if I've ran a marathon, you know, and you bust through the finish line. (sighs) What a marathon. And then they're hollering at me from the fucking sidelines. Keep running. Keep running. It's like, what? I just, I just, what? I just ran a marathon. We know, but keep running. That's kind of what the situation is for me at the moment as a janitor. I've met my goals. I've paid off a student loan. I've saved up some money to, pr- to put into my performing career. So now it's like, why am I even there? And it's not the job, as I said, that bothers me. You know, if I got to sweep up some fucking vomit... If I got to change a garbage bin, it ain't a fucking, you know, it's water off a duck's ass. Quack. You know, I don't give a bumbleclot, blood clot, fuck. You know, I'm a man. It's the hypocrisy that ruffles my feathers. This hierarchy, you know, it's like from the lowliest of the lowly, the janitors, the tradespeople. No, it's not even that. It's like the janitors, then there's like the kitchen staff, then there's like the trade workers, then there's like security, then there's like um, the office dwelling dummies, and then it's like executive, CEO, and upward from there, right? That's like the pecking order. And like I said, like I give a blood clot fuck, right? But now that 
I've met my goals. There's like no reason for me to be there. So it's like I'm floundering in this no man's land and I'm starting to be very aware of this hierarchy and it's really starting to annoy me because it's like, I look at these people, it's like, let me get this straight. You dummies wake up in the morning, put on a beautiful three-piece suit, the tailored vest, the tailored blazer, the slacks, the leather loafers. You squeeze that fat ass into a dress, you know, push them titties up in a beautiful fucking push-up bra, slap on the lipstick, the eye paint, the hairspray, the heels, and you sashay your dumb ass into work to go directly to a bathroom stall, squat down and take a public dump to defecate in public first thing in the fucking morning? Am I the only one? Am I the only one who wakes up in the morning, shaves, shits, then showers? I don't get these people. They're in and out of the bathroom constantly. It's like a fucking tirade of piss, shit, and vomit. They're in there incessantly. And it's like nonsensical to me. Because it's like it's all a part of that hierarchy. These people are very much like your normal everyday people. And their wants and needs seem to be very of this world. Materialistic. You know, they all want to have the nice car. They all want to live in the trendy area of town. Da, 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 da. It's like, well, I don't get this. You know, you fight day in and day out. You run around in this rat race to get that beautiful house. Why don't you shit there first thing in the morning? Why are you squeezing into your beautiful attire only to go and disrobe to sit down and squat and take a public dump first thing in the fucking morning? Like, think about it. Who are the people that take public dumps? Children, the elderly, and the homeless. Those are the three groups of people that shit publicly. And it's that hypocrisy that ruffles my tail feathers. I'm telling you, folks. It's like you literally have to be standing there with a roll roll of toilet paper in hand, ready to jump into the fucking toilet stall, change the fucking toilet paper roll, while the next dummy... It's like like a fucking revolving door. It's like a fucking Grand Central Station. These idiots are in and out of the bathroom constantly. And it's that hypocrisy that really fucking bothers me. It's beyond me. It's like... To take a public dump, isn't that really just an option rather than an opportunity? These people treat it like an opportunity. It's like, hey, my life is so pathetic and I hate my job so much that rather just than growing a pair of fucking testicles and having a little bit of a backbone and a spine, I'm going to go hide in a bathroom stall and waste 20 minutes on my cell phone. It's like, pathetic. And, you know, like I said, I can go on and on and on. I could babble on, babble on about it, but 
It's really that hypocrisy. Because on one hand, the overindulgence of the average worker in my workplace, the fact that they're always fucking around in the bathroom, fucking around in the cafeteria, fucking around in all the common areas, that's what gives me work, you know? But it's also an annoyance because it's like, I'm a part of their lie. It's like, yo, if you're getting up every morning to put on a three-piece suit, you know, a ball gown to go into work, and your first order of business is to squat down and take a dump and then be in and out of the bathroom all day, then it's really just a lie. You might as well just come to work in fucking sweatpants. What's with the fucking ball gown and tiara and the fucking tuxedo (laughs) when your first order of business is to go take a public dump? It's a complete fucking lie. And I'm like, I'm involved in it. And, um, you know, I could talk at nauseam about it, but suffice to say, kind of over it. Over it like my ovaries, man. I am fucking over it. And, uh, you know. But like I said, you know, and I'll say again, like I've said before, you know, I'm well on my way in my journey. I got tunnel vision. I'm blind to the hierarchy. I'm blind to the hypocrisy. Don't mean a fucking bumbaclut blood clot ting to me. I'm just going to keep pushing that mop bucket. (coughs) Washing them windows. Pushing the garbage trolley. Vacuuming. And if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan. Janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. 11 years of service. Again, bored to tears. <laughs> uh, you know, never bored, but, you know, um, like many career fields, ups and downs, smiles and frowns. Um, I've, I've um, recently come up with a new method, a new discipline to my creative process. I've recently had to make some concessions some um, decisions in how I manage myself as a stand-up comedian in this ever-changing landscape of performing the 21st century technology. So, bearing all that in mind, um, I think I've made some very good decisions trying to keep myself inspired And, um, you know, taking it one day at a time. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian. And those are the four things that sum me up at the moment. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, stand-up comedian, janitor. So, welcome to the show.
I don't even know what I said there. Did I say actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian? Yeah. Sums it up for me at the moment. Let's get into some news. Okay. Y'all know what time it is. Coronavirus. I'm over it. I'm over it like my motherfucking ovaries. This is just a bit too much. But um, here's some of the latest and greatest regarding the coronavirus. This is an article from globalnews.ca. Coronavirus. When will a COVID-19 COVID-19 vaccine be ready? By Russell, Andrew Russell. Article from globalnews.ca. Medical teams and researchers around the world are racing to develop a vaccine for COVID-19, which has sickened more than 127,000. But health experts say a novel coronavirus vaccine is still 12 to 24 months away. David Kelvin, a professor of microbiology and immunology at Dalhousie University, just received a $1 million grant from the Canadian Institutes of Health Research to help examine the outbreak, specifically relating to his work on evaluating patients diagnosed with the virus. He said a realistic target for a vaccine would be in the 18-month range. The WHO, World Health Organization, the WHO has also said a vaccine is at least 18 months away. It might happen sooner, but I think that's unrealistic, Kelvin told Global News. 18 months to two years would be really fantastic if we achieve that target. Kelvin said vaccines traditionally take years to develop, but there's been one advantage with COVID-19. The structure and the genome of the virus is very similar to the SARS coronavirus. This has allowed scientists to draw on the research from early SARS vaccine candidates. So yes, basically the um, vaccine for the COVID-19 slash coronavirus is about 18 months away. And there's other news as well, like, um, for example, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Hello, everyone. My name's Justin Trudeau. I wear blackface. I'm not a racist. Go Canada. Justin Trudeau, um, his wife, Sophie, apparently, con- what, is it? what is it called? Conducted? <laughs> Almost said conducted, like an orchestra. She, uh, whatever, caught the uh, tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. Um, you know, coronavirus. He's under um, self-quarantine till further notice. Um, what else is going on? Uh, in Ontario, Canada, where I reside, I reside in Toronto. So in Ontario, Canada, public schools, publicly funded schools will be closed for a two-week period. Um, all sorts of places are closed around the world 
You know, all sorts of festivals are being shut down. All sorts of sports leagues. The NHL. I believe the NBA. Fucking Disneyland, for God's sakes. You know? Famous people involved in the coronavirus. Tom Hanks. My name's Forrest. Forrest Gump. Y'all can call me Forrest Gump. Fucking Forrest Gump's got fucking coronavirus. His wife, Rita Wilson... They also, she also tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, you know, there was the case of the coronavirus hotel. Welcome to the hotel coronavirus. Such a lovely place, such a lovely place, such a lovely place. We're getting it up at the hotel coronavirus. Any time of year. <coughs> You can find it here. They stabbed him with the knife, but they just can't kill the beast. Last thing I remember, I was wearing a mask. <clears throat> Welcome. Okay, you get it. But like, there was like a hotel in China that collapsed, sadly killing something like 23 people. I'm trying to look for it right now. Yes. Several detained... Give me a moment, folks. This is from beta.ctvnews.ca. Several detained in China over quarantine building collapse. So, Chinese authorities have taken several people into custody as part of their investigation into the collapse of a coronavirus quarantine facility that killed 29 people. Yeah, so... Unfortunately, this hotel that was like a quarantine site in um, the city of Quanzhou, Q-U-A-N-Z-H-O-U, the southeastern city of Quanzhou, was being used to quarantine suspected, suspected coronavirus patients when it was crashing down Saturday night. So last Saturday. Tragic amidst an already tragic situation, right? Then, you know, the World Health Organization officially deemed the situation a pandemic, a global reaching uh, situation, a pandemic, the spread of the COVID-19 coronavirus. And you know what? On one hand, I do believe it is, um, you know, something serious to take into consideration. 127,000 people have been tested positive worldwide. There have been several deaths. It generally affects the elderly and people with pre-existing conditions, health conditions. So it's serious. If you have respiratory issues, if you're an elderly person, if you have pre-existing health conditions, yes, it is obviously serious. And regardless, you wouldn't want to catch it. Who wants to be like, 
infected with a disease, like a pneumonia-like disease, a respiratory illness. Who would want that, right? So yes, there is the severity to it. But on the flip side too, it's like, and it feels like to me, and what I think, number one, it's overblown. I mean, this is just sensational news that is being perpetuated in a fake news era where your viewership, your listenership is valuable. You know, if they can control you with fear and keep you locked in, it's beneficial to news outlets. This spread of fear. It's almost irrational. I mean, they closed Disneyland at a time when you, when you need Disneyland the most. You know? All sorts of things are being postponed. And it feels like, number one, like a conspiracy theory, almost. Because news outlets at the beginning of 2020 were talking about the U.S.-Iran situation as a potential World War III. That's what news outlets were citing. You know, U.S.-Iran tensions, potential World War III. Canada got dragged into the mix because of the downing of a 757 Ukraine jet flying out of Iran, which killed like something like 170 people, several Canadians, several Iranians, you know, casualties. Casualties of a pissing match that began between, you know, Donald Trump, U.S., and Iraq. Iran. Sorry. So... It all seems like a conspiracy. Convenient timing, isn't it? You know? Don't look at what, um, you know, don't look at um, what these powerful people are doing. You know? Don't, don't pay any attention to what we said. Potential World War III. Oh, it's not that big a deal any, anymore. Your health is at risk. You know? Oh, no. You know, don't go to Disneyland. You're going to die. You know, like it's. It's just so much fear and misdirection that it's it's almost laughable. It is almost laughable. Every fucking major news story is about coronavirus. They got the whole world hypnotized. And I think it's like a direct hit on positivity. It's a direct attack on positivity. 2020, the beginning of a new decade. You know, the beginning of a, it's like a monumental uh, year as well. Like 2020. It just looks symmetrically right. You know, 2020. It's just kind of a cute little look to a new decade. It felt fresh and it's like, it feels like a direct attack on positivity. I felt brow beaten. I felt fucking 
fuck, I felt like I had the coronavirus, <laughs> even though I didn't get it. You know, it's like I felt just kind of tired and fucking drained of energy. And, you know, it feels like a direct attack on that. A direct attack on positivity. It's almost like they want to keep us in fear, locked into continual fear, glued to a news cycle, glued to their agenda. Or distracted from their agenda. You know, whatever happened to this World War III? What's going on with U.S. and Iran? You know, what other little global um, situations are at uh, a foot during this time? Who knows what's going on? It's like a power outage almost, you know? You know when there's a power outage and everybody just loots, loots, robs, steals, commits crimes in the dark? It's almost like a global power outage in a sense, you know? Coronavirus, stay home. Don't pay any attention to anything other than your health. Your health's at risk. Your children's health at risk. You know? You know? Shaping your attitudes and attention. Guiding you in a fear-based fucking downward spiral. That's what it feels like. It feels like a fucking vortex. And it's been fucking with me the last couple days, man. The last couple weeks. It's just been like, oh. And that's what I think it is. I think it's like a deliberate... Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a severity to it. I'm not going to say it's completely a hoax, but there's definitely a fear-based agenda behind a lot of this. And I think it has been orchestrated and engineered to keep a sense of fear and control over the masses. Because, hey, man, what a better way to fucking deflate people than having them fear for their lives. When by all accounts, it's just like having the flu or a little bit of pneumonia. (coughs) Fucking Tom Hanks, my name's Forrest, Forrest Gump. He sent out a tweet saying, you know, hey, it's no big deal. He's like, you know, well into recovery quarantining himself he and his wife rita wilson they're working towards their health you know they're on a fucking fishing boat somewhere they're on a shrimp boat somewhere quarantined you know doing whatever somebody poisoned the water hole so i don't fucking know man it's a bunch of horse shit coronavirus you know tim hortons in canada for fear of the coronavirus, they've like discontinued their um, roll up the rim, beloved little sweepstake game. You know, for all y'all that don't know, in Canada, Tim Hortons, which is a coffee chain, several times a year, they have like a sweepstake giveaway that they call roll up the rim, where you roll up the rim of your coffee cup and you could potentially win a prize it could be a donut it could be a coffee it could be twenty five thousand dollars 
It could be a fucking SUV. And what you do is you rip off the, the little rim of your coffee cup, roll up the rim. Then you take it into your local Tim Hortons and you cash it in for whatever the prize is. Well, they've discontinued that. They're going to do it by like an app or something. They've taken the thing online. They've taken the fun and joy completely out of it. I want to roll up the rim. I don't want to fucking click for the rim. It's fucking ridiculous, you know? And they're trying to look for like um, environmentally friendly ways to discard of all the, um, you know, unusable, unusable um, coffee cups that they use for like um, the roll up the rim game. It's like, what are you going to do? Make a Corona mask out of it? You know, fucking stick a double double over your face. That's going to save you from fucking coronavirus. I'm just getting brow beaten, worried to death, world weary of the whole situation. And while I do believe it is very much rooted in a real concern, I am not convinced that. This isn't all just one big um, conspiracy theory or one big conspiracy, rather, that has been orchestrated, engineered to inject fear, to profit off of fear, and to distract, like a power outage, to distract the masses, keep them focused on, you know their own health and concern while the puppet masters play their little puppet games, you know? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What do you think about this? Is it all not just a witch hunt, okay? Fake news, okay? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. I might not be the smartest man, but I do know what love is, Jenna. It has nothing to do with the coronavirus. Life is like a box of chocolates. You better disinfect it and wash it fucking five times in the dishwasher or you're going to catch the coronavirus. Somebody poison the water hole. But um, check this one out here. And God bless Tom Hanks, one of my favorite actors. I was bruised and battered on the streets of coronavirus. I had coronavirus and I was coughing up phlegm and I had pneumonia and I was in China on the streets of Wuhan. For any of y'all, that doesn't make any sense to. Beloved actor, um, Tom Hanks won an Oscar for portraying a AIDS patient slash lawyer in the groundbreaking, um, socially relevant and aware film, Philadelphia, also starring Denzel Washington. And there was a song by, I believe, Bruce Springsteen about AIDS on the streets of Philadelphia. I was just making a little joke, you know. 
Tom Hanks having like, you know, coronavirus. On the streets of Wuhan. Did I just double down on that bomb? Enough already. Okay. So check this out, though. Here's something that's going to bring a ray of sunshine, hopefully. This is an uplifting article that I read. And, um, you know, I think it's kind of needed. And it kind of goes to my point in this time of overblown fear. So this is from ctvnews.ca. Don't panic, says U.S. woman who recovered from coronavirus. Seattle, United States. An American woman who has recovered from the novel coronavirus has a simple message for people who are worried. Don't panic. But do think about high-risk individuals and stay home if you feel ill. Elizabeth Schneider lives in Seattle, the biggest city of Washington state, which has the most deaths in the United States from the disease sweeping the globe. The 37-year-old, who has a PhD in bioengineering, said she was sharing her story to give people a little bit of hope through her own relatively mild experience with the infection, which she treated herself from home. But she added, Obviously, it's not something to be completely nonchalant about because there are a lot of people who are elderly or having underlying health conditions. That means that we need to be extra vigilant about staying home, isolating ourselves from others. This week, U.S. health authorities, citing Chinese data, said 80% of cases have been mild, while the remaining serious cases that required hospitalization affected mainly people over 60 and those with conditions like diabetes, heart disease, or lung disease. So Schneider, this lady who had the coronavirus, now recovered, Schneider first began experiencing flu-like symptoms on February 25th, three days after going to a party that was later identified as the place where at least five people also got infected. I woke up and I was feeling tired, but it was nothing more than what you normally feel when you have to get up and go to work, and I had been very busy the previous weekend, she told AFP in an interview Wednesday. By midday, however, she felt a headache coming on, along with a fever and body aches and a reluctance to have sex. <laughs> Come on, please, give me a break here. I had, to, I had to say it. By midday, however, she felt a headache coming on. <laughs> I got a headache. Not tonight, honey, I have a headache and coronavirus. By midday, however, she felt a headache coming on, along with a fever and body aches. She decided to leave the office of the biotechnology company where she works as a marketing manager and went home. After waking up from a nap, Schneider found she had a high temperature which peaked at 103 degrees Fahrenheit that night. 39.4 degrees Celsius. That's the conversion. So she had a temperature which peaked at 103 degrees Fahrenheit converted to 39.4 degrees Celsius, which converts to. And at that point, I started to shiver uncontrollably, and I was getting the chills and getting tinglings in my extremities. So that was a little concerning, she said. She turned 
She turned to over-the-counter flu medications to treat the symptoms and called a friend to be on standby in case she needed to be taken to an emergency room. But the fever began to recede in coming days. Schneider had been following news reports about the novel coronavirus. The first U.S. case was detected in Washington in late January. The state has since gone on to become the epicenter of the disease in the country, with more than 260 cases and at least two dozen deaths. Nationwide, there has been more than 1,100 cases and 30 deaths. Because she didn't have the most common symptoms like a cough or shortness of breath, I thought, okay, well, that's definitely why I don't have coronavirus, said Schneider. She had gotten a flu shot but assumed her illness was a different strain. A visit to the doctor would only result in her being asked to go home, rest, and drink plenty of fluids. A few days later, however, she discovered through a friend's Facebook post that several people from the party had all developed similar situations, and she began to get more suspicious. Oh yeah, sorry. She had discovered that um, several people from the party had all developed similar symptoms, and she began to get more suspicious. Several of these people went on to their doctor's, and they were found to be negative for the flu, but they were not offered coronavirus tests because they too were not coughing or having breathing trouble. Knowing that she would also likely be turned down for the test, she decided to enroll in a research program called the Seattle Flu Study, hoping it might provide an answer. The team behind the study sent her a, no- sent her a nasal swab kit, which she mailed back and waited several more days. And waited several more days. I finally got a call from one of the research coordinators on Saturday, telling me that you have tested positive for COVID-19, she said. I was a little bit pleasantly surprised. That's kind of a strange phrasing. I was a little bit pleasantly surprised because I thought it was a little bit cool. Schneider admittedly admitted, laughing though, laughing, though her mother cried when she told her, <laughs> my baby's got coronavirus. <sighs> Granted, I probably would have felt that way if I was severely ill. Granted, I probably would not have felt that way if I was severely ill, she said. But from a scientific curiosity perspective, I thought it was very interesting. And also the fact that I finally got confirmation that that's what I had. By this time, her symptoms had already subsided and she was told by local health authorities to remain at home for at least seven days after onset of symptoms or 72 hours after they subsided. It's now been a week since she's felt better. She has started going out for errands but is still avoiding, but is still avoiding large gatherings and continuing to work from home. Schneider said she hoped her example, which will probably be... Pardon me, folks. <clears throat> oh, I think I'm creeping up on some symptoms myself. <laughs> okay. Schneider said she hoped her example, which was, which will probably be typical of high majority cases, could comfort others. The message is don't panic, said Schneider. If you think you have it, you probably do. You should probably get tested. 
If your symptoms aren't life-threatening, simply stay at home, medicate with over-the-counter medicines, drink lots of water, get a lot of rest, and check out the shows you want to binge watch, she said, like Jonathan Ramtrand, the podcast. Wow, a fan. I added that last part. If your symptoms aren't life-threatening, simply stay at home, medicate with over-the-counter medicines, drink lots of water, get lots of rest, and check out the shows you want to binge watch, she said. So there you go, a positive um, case, a positive story for once. And, um, and, you know, this lady's message, this Seattle woman, Elizabeth Schneider, her message, don't panic. Um, yeah, it's, it's easy to get swept up in this news cycle. It's easy to get carried away with fear and pandemonium. But, you know, this is something that will pass. This is something that is treatable. And, you know, take all necessary precautions, get a lot of rest. And, you know, we can keep we can keep a handle on it, you know? And uh, do hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, queries, or qualms, suggestions, insights into the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. Do hit me up. Um, what else do we got here? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is an odd story. Um, this is an article coming out of Ontario, Canada. Federal government prepares to introduce nationwide conversion therapy ban. <gasps> conversion therapy? The Liberal Party committed to bringing forward the changes in the 2019 election platform. The Trudeau government is set to introduce legislation Monday. This is like, a, I guess, this, this previous Monday. The Trudeau government is set to introduce legislation Monday, amending the criminal code to ban conversion therapy, a controversial practice that aims to change the sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression of LGBTQ people. Evidence demonstrates this is a practice that does not work, said Minister of Diversity, Inclusion, and Youth, Bardish Changer. What? What the fuck? I don't even know what that means. It's destructive, it's harmful, and it should not exist. During the 2019 federal election, the Liberal Party committed to bringing forward the changes in its platform, noting that the practice is scientifically discredited. The party promised during the campaign to work with Canada's provinces and territories to ban the practice highlighted the proposed amendments would specifically benefit minors. When you are younger and you are often dependent on your surroundings, on your family or whoever is around you, you cannot always make your individual choices, Chagger said Wednesday. And blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. I don't know. Basically, um, the liberal government is putting through this uh, 
code, I guess. What is it? What they call it? The criminal code. They're trying to amend the criminal code to ban conversion therapy. It's set to introduce this legislation. I don't really care to read the rest of this because I'm getting kind of sick of reading. You know, it's been enough fear, enough blah, blah, blah from my like mental capacity this week. So blah, 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 nonsense, wah, wah, wah. Um, I don't know what I really think about it. I mean, you want to ban conversion therapy. You want to deem it a criminal act under the criminal code. I'm going to have to get back to you folks on that. Do hit me up though. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What do you think about conversion therapy? I just don't want to read this right now. You know, I'm just trying to be as honest and as um, connected as I can be. It's just like I see a bunch of blah, 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 wah, wah, wah. And I don't feel like reading it. You know, I've already been fear, fear based enough this week in terms of like the coronavirus. Let the conversion therapy thing rest until a later date. You know what I mean? And I don't know. It's like all I can say is that as time goes on, as you mature as an adult, sex becomes less meaningful to you, right? When you're young, you know, in your teenage years, your youth of your 20s, you are very sexually charged. It is a very exciting, self-gratifying, ego-driven sort of thing. Sex. But as you mellow out, ideally, as you mellow out with age and refinement, you get to realize that sex isn't this all-encompassing, all-defining, all-meaningful thing in one's life. So... That's at least how I see it in my life. So I wonder, I wonder what that can mean in other people's lives. I believe you are born gay, but I don't necessarily know if I believe that you can't be converted. Because, as I said, as you go forward in your life and you realize the almost utility in sex. It's really about creating family, propagating the species, if that's the correct word, you know, instilling the survival of the species. You just see the utility in it. You see the cost of it. You know, it's like you got to play a lot of games to have a sexual partner. You know what I mean? You have to be honest and real as a person to engage in a sexual relationship or else you have to be full of shit blowing smoke up somebody's ass lies excuses blah 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 it's it's a fucking game so to speak right so there's 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 a lot around sex that i don't even think comes down to sex which is why i do on one hand, believe, baby, you're born this way. People are born how they're born. I believe they're honest in their sexual orientation. But I do question the, the, the meaning of sex as time goes on. And 
is it completely outlandish to think that somebody might want conversion therapy? Somebody might want that. Somebody might want the utility of, you know what? I don't want to be, um, you know, I don't want to say confined, but I don't want to be like, you know, you know, whatever, encompassed or confined to like, you know, my sexual desires, you know? But I've watched a few documentaries where it's like, you know, news documentaries where it's like, it's like a horrific situation for some of these young men and women who are like, you know, their parents disapprove of their sexual orientation and send them to some fucking harebrained conversion therapy camp where they have to like enact previous traumas and, you know, beat up on a fucking, you know, like enact these dramas and, you know, like, ah, it's like, you know, I, I, I saw this one where this guy had to like take a baseball bat and like hit a dummy to let out his anger. Like, I'm not gay. Uh, 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 no, I'm not. Uh, and he's like whacking a dummy with a fucking baseball bat, you know, get the gay shame out of me. Get the gay shame out of me. He's like smacking a fucking dummy with a baseball bat. It's like, why don't you just suck a dick? You know, like, it's a little much, isn't it? Like, wouldn't you just rather take it up the ass than like, you know, yell at a punching bag? You know, like, I I don't know. That's a good question. Would you rather yell at a punching bag? Or... Like, would you rather, like, hallucinate yourself enough to the point when, like, you're talking to a punching bag, like, Stop it! No, I'm not gay! You're just... No! I'm not gay! And you're, like, talking to a punching bag? Stop it! And you're, like, hitting it with a baseball bat? Would you rather do that or just, like, make out with a dude? Both seem completely crazy to me, but I don't know if it's completely crazy to others. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. And do not be a fucking bigot, you know? I don't want no fucking gay bashing. No, 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 no. That ain't the point here. It's just like, the question is, does conversion therapy work? Could it be useful to some people? Should it be banned? Is it something that should be amended in the criminal code as this legislation that is being put forward in Canada proposes to do. Is it something that should be looked into? Do hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com You know? And as for me, you know, my mother thought I was gay, by the way. I know the trauma of like, um, you know, having people like try to call you something or 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 hate on you for something regarding your sexuality like i'm a straight man um but my mother was kind of strange in that matter where it's like i don't know if it was like a outdated thinking or just her ugly intent to destroy me 
what she pretty much held her entire life. But um, she she knew I was an actor. I went to theater school. Um, just because I moved into a charming duplex with several other struggling young strapping actors trying to make it in this business, you know, she gets under this delusion that I'm a homosexual man, something of that nature. She comes to visit me once at this charming duplex I shared with five other strapping young actors circa 2006, 2006. Circa 2006. So she comes to visit me at the duplex, right? And I'm ordering a pizza, right? And I'm on the phone. I'm like, hi, can I get a uh, Hawaiian pizza, extra large? Then my mother just blurts out, if you're gay, just say so. What? Why? Is it because I ordered a ham and pineapple pizza that makes me gay or something, you know? So I do know the pain of like, discrimination on those bases because like my mother while she didn't actually outright say it she accused me of being gay and as if there was something wrong with that you know if I was if you're gay just say so completely overlooking the times that she's cock blocked me in the past I remember one time I had a girl in my room right she's like knocking on the door what are you guys doing in there <sighs> Homework. Fuck off. You know? If you're gay, just say so. <laughs> Fucking idiot. But do hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What are your thoughts on conversion therapy? If you're gay, just say so. And going forward, um, for me, in this day and age, uh, just keeping on my P's and Q's, you know, working out. Playing bass guitar, which is my hobby, keeping focused on my performing, and, um, you know, more things to come, all in a day's work. Happy Hallelujah. It's your old Tucker buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting live for duty on this magnificent Friday, the 13th, March 2020, in the year of our Lord, 2020. Hey, coronavirus, is it something to be considering? Is it complete overblown hogwash? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Conversion therapy. Um, are people born gay? Can people be converted? Should people be converted? Is it anybody's business? Is the criminal code um up to snuff or um should more measures be taken hit me up jr.thepodcast at gmail.com i'm on a lot of different platforms i'm on spotify i'm on itunes i'm on youtube i have a website jonathan-ramcharan.com you can connect with me there so please do so if you're enjoying the show, please tell a friend. I'm trying to grow this bitch, you know what I'm saying? So please, tell a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight? Peace.